Amen. We've been preaching, look, going through the Beatitudes, but I don't know. I felt like we needed to go somewhere with this. <clears throat> and um, now that we see what a Christian is, and now we need to see how a Christian should make it known. It goes from what we are to what we should be. You know, so he uses elements in our text we're going to read in verses 13 through 16. He uses the elements of salt and light. <clears throat> Two elements that you know when they're there and you know many times when they're not. Amen. They're just that kind of an element. You know what I mean? You're eating food and it's like this food needs some salt. You notice it. It needs something to make it come alive. And, and so you put a little salt on it. And it's not like the salt comes alive. It's like the food comes alive. It's kind of strange. It's just like a room. It's dark. It's like, you know what, can somebody turn on the light so I'm not falling over the furniture? Nothing else is going to work. You know, you got light and salt. They're very uh, distinct elements. And so Jesus applies this to our lives. Let's look at the sequel to the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, <clears throat> nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so, you know, when Jesus, he starts out the Beatitudes, <clears throat> blessed are the poor in spirit, and he goes through that whole list. You know, God is doing a work in the individual life, but it's going somewhere. And this is many times can be missed in so many people's lives. It's like God saved you for a purpose. And, uh, to be salt and light, to be salt and light in society. So let's consider that this evening, the sequel to the Beatitudes. Let's look at, first of all, this present darkness. <clears throat> consider the pride of life. Because, you know, the world wants to give you the impression that everything is just fine, that things are looking up and getting better. And in some areas, I'm sure that's probably true, that man has all the answers. We know that's not true. You know, never mind that crime and prison overcrowding, and disease, and care homes, and wars, and we can go on and on, are always either high or on the rise. I don't think there's been very many years, I had a statistic I read not too long ago, where in human, recorded human history, just a small number of years that we've never had actually war going on. War is just always going on all over the earth in different places. <clears throat> you know, the world will tolerate God only if he comes in their terms. But in our text, and even before as we looked at the Beatitudes, God goes through great lengths to get a hold of people on the earth. He does what he can do, amen. The Beatitudes just show how that God saves people and he invests so much into our lives. They show people who are changed by the power of God, the humble, the meek, 
Amen. The, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Uh, one man called them the beautiful attitudes. The beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes is kind of the idea behind it. That these things are working in people's lives is very rare, amen. But that's what God does. He does a miracle in our lives. And that's what he's going toward, changing our lives. Amen. He does this, and like I said, he invests in you and I. Because he knows that we'll have impact upon other people's lives. Because it'll be a stark difference. When I got saved, it was a stark difference from what I was to what I was then slowly becoming. Just, just in 24 hours, my life was so radically different. I had a long way to go, still do. But the point was is that just, just in that short amount of time, just what God was doing in those very infant stages was just absolutely miraculous. Amen. It got people's attention. Not just because I was, you know, maybe a freak to some people, but, you know, just the fact that God was actually doing something in my life. And that's why, that's how God set it up, that we would be salt and light. Amen. You know, sometimes you've been in those situations where you're the Christian on the job or, you know, I've had many jobs. You're the Christian on the job and people know that you're a Christian and then they'll start cussing, and then they'll see you go, oh, sorry. Isn't that weird? But, but it's true, though, isn't it? There's, you know, it used to annoy me, but you know, I, I don't think I had the right perspective. We are salt. There's something about a preservative that's in this, the quality of salt. When decay, uh, you know, when there's decay or something to be possibly decayed, you put salt on it. And so immediately, you know, they come into the presence of salt and they recognize the decay. And it's like, oh, sorry. Or, or they'll come in, oh, we can't talk like this because Roger's in the room. <laughs> you know, and they try to make you feel small. But it's just interesting how they bring that out. Because we really are salt and light. And you have to get that into your thinking. Amen. It's not always easy. You know, when man sinned, the world was plunged into darkness. And sin has that decaying effect upon society. I mean, think about it. If, 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 it's the, if, the, if everything is, is correct, it's like the first two people on earth, Adam and Eve, or no, no their sons, Cain and Abel, I mean, you know, that's not a whole lot of, you know, you think you can make life work. And yet Cain kills Abel. I mean, there's sin at work. I mean, we, we might think, you know, there'd have to be a lot of people, but just only two people, and they can't even get along. It's like, you know what, you go there, I'll go there. We got the whole world, you know what I'm saying? You go to California, I'll go to China. I'm sure we can make this thing work. I mean, you got the whole globe. They kill each other. As time moves on, it doesn't get any better. Actually, it gets worse to the point where God has to wipe out the earth with the flood. Listen to what he says. Sixth six chapter of Genesis 5 through 7. Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. He was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man, beast, creeping things, birds of the air, everything. For I am sorry that I have made them. 
And so sin literally destroyed the earth, destroyed the very creation of God. Not too long after that, man has another start. Noah gets off the boat, sons, kids. And before you know it, you have the Tower of Babel. And now people are spiritual, but they're not submitted to God. Right? Amen. And so God has to scatter them. Scatter them all over the earth. Then right after that, the, the very next chapter, he finds a man, Abraham. Abraham is the first man who now all of a sudden he believes God and he submits himself to God. That's why our faith goes back to Abraham. I mean, we're talking a long way in the Bible. History. And now we have an Abraham. You know, the contrast of light and darkness is a common picture in the Bible. Matthew 4, 16, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. It's talking about Jesus coming on the scene. Amen. Jesus came into a world of darkness, but he came to bring light because that's the very nature of God. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message which we heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So we know that when Jesus comes again, it'll be because darkness is starting to take root again. It's starting to overtake. That's why the Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be when the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus. That he's going to come back because darkness is going to overcome. Read the book of Revelations. Read Thessalonians. Read the New Testament. Amen. How in the end times, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure. It goes on and on and on. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 5 says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. We don't know the day or the hour, but the day will not overtake us simply because we are light. It'll overtake those that are in darkness. It'll still come as a thief, amen, but you know, we'll go up and we'll, we'll be snatched away to meet the Lord in the air, amen, before the wrath of God is poured out on the earth because we're children of light. Paul made it clear that what we are battling is darkness, which is usually dressed up in humanity, but he says you're battling darkness. And this is what he's talking about in Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. <clears throat> he purposely says it's not flesh and blood. He says it's darkness. And so I'm using this mainly because I'm trying to draw the picture that in our text it says, you are salt, you are light. That if God is going to bring light into this world, it's going to be in you. Amen. It's not just going to be from the heavens. 
It's not going to be like he's just going to inject it somehow into society. You are that light that he brings into society to confront the darkness. That's why we go through the Beatitudes. That's why he's trying to change this person right here. That's why he's trying to make me into light and salt because that's his answer to the darkness. Not him himself, but him in me. John 3.19, this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Darkness is real. It makes up all the evil and the wickedness that is around us. Amen. And we're warned about it. Amen. Not to mix with it. Not to have anything to do with it. In fact, the Bible says to come against the works of darkness. Because it conflicts with the light. See, God's cure for darkness is light. Isn't that your cure for darkness? Amen. Right? <laughs> you walk in, man, we got a problem. It's dark in here. Well, turn on the switch. <laughs> turn on the lights. Problem solved. That's just how God works, too. He uses light to confront darkness he cures the decay by putting salt in society. You know, salt doesn't take away the decay. It just stops more decay. I mean, if you've got a rotten piece of meat, don't throw any salt on it. Throw it away, okay? <laughs> but if you've got a good piece of meat and you want to keep it good, put salt on it, right? You rub salt in it to preserve it. It doesn't get rid of it, but it is the cure. So let's consider, secondly, our business. Because the world has no answers for evil. We have no answers for decay and darkness. We analyze, we rehabilitate, we study it. And nothing stops the decay in society. But God has the answer. And for the answer, you know, and he has the answer for those who want the answer. Amen. He sends forth light and salt. First of all, it says that we, this is what we are. This is what we are. We don't have it. We are it. You are light. You are salt. It's emphatic when it says that. It's meant to, it's meant to drive a, 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 the point home. Salt preserves. It influences. It adds flavor. That's what you're to do. You know, the devil tries to condemn you like you're an outcast, like you have nothing to give. You're just a weirdo with your little religion. And you can feel that sometimes. You do. You do feel it. But God says, no, you're not understanding something. You're salt. And you are light. You are the answer. God told Abraham, as he's praying for Sodom not to be destroyed, Abraham said, God, if there's just 10 righteous, if there's just 10 men of salt, will you destroy the city? And God said he wouldn't. That's how much confidence he has in salt in society. That if there is just 10 righteous men in the city of Sodom, 
I will not destroy it because I understand that even just 10 men in such a wicked atmosphere can change the society. They say that 2% of a population can change the population. That's why you have to ask yourself, how come the population is changing? Because I know there's more than 2% of Christians in the earth. It speaks of character for the most part. God, by the Holy Spirit, changing our lives. This is you and I, amen. We, we have the Beatitudes, if you were, working in our personality. I was at Fred Meyer's. I don't do a lot of shopping. It's not my bag, you know. Me and my wife got a good arrangement. She does the shopping. I eat the shopping. <laughs> <coughs> But anyway, she's kind of not feeling that good, so she asked me to go to the store for her. I said, okay. She likes it when I go to the store because I always buy more than she does. I don't know why that is. I don't understand it. But when I go to the store to buy two items, I end up with like 25. I get pretzels and potato chips. I get all kinds of junk, you know? It's just not good. Don't send me shopping. It's just really bad. It used, to be really, it used to be the opposite. I don't know what happened. Anyways, it doesn't matter. So I'm at Fred Meyer's, and I pick up these items. Now, I don't get it. It just annoys me. Because you buy something on sale, then be on sale, right? But then they got these digital coupons. Why? Why do I have to? Why don't you just mark it down to what you're saying it is? But no, no. It's $1.49, but if you have a digital coupon, it's 99 cents. It's like, why don't you just make it 99 cents? Why do you play this game? So I'm like, I call my wife. I said, what is a digital coupon? She says, it's on your phone. Digital coupon. Okay. She said, you got to have the app. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm in the aisle. I put on the Fred Myers app. I find the stuff. I click everything I'm supposed to click. I go to the, I go to the, you know, the checkouts. It's a self-checkout. I put in my alternate ID, which is our phone number. You can use our phone number if you want, if you're at Fred Myers. It's the, alter, it's the alternate ID, right? And I get everything on sale, but the, thing, the digital coupons don't take. And the problem is, is because my app is not connected with my wife's app, which is connected to our phone number. You know, it's like, oh, my gosh. But I don't know that. I'm trying to take the phone and hold it over the machine. Like, maybe it'll just, like, pick it up by osmosis. Like, they would talk to each other, you know. Yo, bro, 50 cents off, okay. And he doesn't. And so I'm standing there, and I'm not frustrated. I got my mask on. I'm a little frustrated, but I'm, I'm you know, you got your mask on, so you really can't see it. So there's a lady there. You know how it is sometimes when you, when you talk to people. Excuse me. I'm waiting for it. You know what I'm saying? I sized this lady up. And I just knew she was just going to come back and be nasty. And I said, um, I gave her my problem. I said, what do I do? And she comes over. And she explains it. I have my phone here. I don't know what to do. I'm like hope, hopeless, you know. And she gets on, and within about 30 seconds, she lets me know everything that's going on. But the thing I noticed, and this is the truth, I don't really notice this stuff. She had such a sweet 
spirit. I mean, it just grabbed me. It really did. I, was, I just looked at her. I'm just, I'm like, thank you. And I, and I just, it just, it just made me stop in my tracks. So I went back scanning all this stuff. And some guy walks up and he's talking to her. And he, yeah, 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 yeah. And she goes, and I could have swore she said this. She said, well, I have my prayer book. You want me to pray for you? <laughs> and I'm scanning and I'm thinking, what? Did I just hear what I heard? And so he's like, oh, no, I'm okay. He's not okay. He's a mess. And, you know, and life goes on. And so afterwards, I want to talk to this lady, but she's off somewhere else. So when I finished, you know, I got all my stuff in my car. I'm going out. I stopped, and I looked for the prayer book. And sitting right there, she's got a little tablet, and it says on a magic marker, prayer book. This lady's saved. And, you know, I'm not into the ooey-gooey, I feel you, you know, what I knew you were saved, all this. I don't, I, don't tra I don't traffic that way. I don't operate that way. But I'm telling you, when she came up to talk to me, there was something different about her. It was just like she just, it was just, it was a good experience. I said to myself, I'm going to come back to Fred Myers. And I'm going to go through the self-checkout. Wherever I see her, that's where I'm going. I'm telling you. I was so moved. I'm just saying that to say this. We are the salt of the earth. I thought she was going to be nasty. I looked at her face and I just saw, I saw a nasty woman and I was absolutely wrong. She floored me. You know how it is. You judge, you judge a book by its cover. She floored me. She was wonderful. She was so nice. It, just, it, just wasn't, it wasn't just nice. There was just something about her. And when I found out she was saved, I was just so taken back. I thought, wow. Amazing. God goes on to say, you are the light of the world. We turn lights on to reveal. We turn lights on to see where we're going, to see what we're looking for. You know, if salt is what we are, then light is what we do. Amen. We shine in the darkness. Acts 28, 18, Jesus telling Paul his marching orders. And he tells them to open, the, open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. He was sent to be a light. Jesus said it himself, I am the light of the world. Amen. So being light is being like Jesus, just like this lady at Fred Myers. This guy walks up, you know, and he's, he's complaining about something. And immediately, she doesn't, she's not even bashful. She says, I got my prayer book. Want me to pray for you? That's what we are. That's what we are. Amen. We're salt and light. Because I can tell you right now, that guy needed some prayers. I wanted this lady to start praying for me. <laughs> I'm serious. She impressed me. She very well impressed me. Amen. I thought, wow, she is a Christian. That lady is salt and she is light. She influenced me in such a short period of time. Because that's 
what we are to be, amen, salt and light, fulfilling the purpose of a Christian. Salt is something that should be tasted. Light is something that should be seen. Sometimes it's a guiding light. Sometimes it's a warning light. Maybe just a plain lamp to reveal things as they are. Amen. Don't hide it under a basket. Let it shine. Ephesians 5.8. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We have a warning here in our text before we move on. Salt loses its flavor. It's good for nothing. You know, the point is, is it's not an argument whether salt can be unsalty and all this scientific nonsense. It actually comes down to a very simple thought, and that is nothing can replace salt. If salt doesn't have, if, if salt doesn't have any saltiness to it, then what good is it? What can replace it? If you are salt in society, but you refuse to be salt in society, what else can God grab a hold of? He doesn't have another answer. You are salt and light. You are the salt, amen. So however we lose our, our, our saltiness, amen, complacency or, or whatever it might be, amen. But, uh, you know, the world needs what we have. The world needs salt and light. In other words, the salt's got to be out of the salt shaker if it's going to do any good. He says if salt lost its flavor, it's thrown away. It just shows how urgent this is. We can't afford to not be salty because of the decay that it's around us. See, the world needs as much salt as we can give it. It's not time for Christians to be tasteless. It's not time for us to be diluted. Our purpose is to make our testimony, our influence heard. Amen. To tell the world what Jesus has done for us. Amen. Like this woman at Fred Myers. She so impressed me. I have my prayer book. You want me to pray for you? That's radical. I think it's great. Amen. Let's look lastly at Let It Shine. Because the result is men and women get saved. They get touched by God. They go from darkness to light, like Paul. They go from the power of Satan to the power of God. Now life has flavor and joy and hope. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3, 4, and 6. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Verse 6, for it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The devil fights this. He fights this because he knows it's effective. He cannot stop light and salt. That's you. He cannot stop your testimony. He cannot stop your influence. The words you speak, the life you live, he cannot stop that. That bothers him. Amen. You are a force in the earth. We're the only ones that can make it known. See, God has the answer for the world. It's you. It's you. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Let it shine so they can see. Amen. That's the purpose that you have been chosen for. Amen. That very thing. Look at 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You glorified the God in heaven, amen, by how you live, how you treat people, amen, how you react to life around about you. Something about a changed life that brings glory to God, amen. You glorify God by obedience, amen. You show God is worthy to be served, worthy to live your life for him. Faithfulness, godliness, enthusiasm, all the rest speaks volumes about the God that you serve. It gives him glory. Because I'll tell you what, if your, if your salvation matters to you, it will influence other people. If serving God means something to you, I'll tell you what, it'll have an influence in other people's lives. When others turn to Jesus, God is glorified as, as well. Amen. He's worthy. He's worthy to walk away from the world, to walk away from dead religion, to walk away from my sin. He's worthy. Amen. Praise is lifted up to God for the wonderful salvation that he brings through Jesus Christ. Let your light shine before men, because if you do, it will glorify God. I want to close with this story. Michael Ramsden. He shares a story, a true story, about a minister from Iran. This minister, he was driving with his wife, and they stopped at a small Iranian, this is Iran, village to purchase some water. Before entering, the minister noticed a man holding a machine gun, letting against the wall outside the store. I guess this is a normal occurrence. The minister's wife looked at the man's face, the gun, then put a Bible in her husband's hand and said, give that man this Bible. The husband looked at the man, Looked at the gun, said, I don't think so. <laughs> but she persisted, I'm serious, give it to him. Please give him the Bible. Try to avoid the issue. The husband said, okay, I'll pray about it. He went into the shop, purchased the water, got back in the car, started driving away. The wife looked at him and said, I guess you didn't give him the Bible, did you? He said, no, I prayed about it. It wasn't the right thing to do. She said, quietly, you should have given him the Bible. And then she started to pray. At that point, he turned around and told his wife, fine, if you want me to die, I will. <laughs> when the minister returned to the store, the man with the machine gun was still standing against the wall. The minister approached him, placed the Bible in his hand. And when the man opened it and saw it was a Bible, he started to cry. He says, I don't live here. I had to walk three days in order to get to this village. But three days ago, an angel appeared to me and told me to walk to this village and wait until someone had given me the book of life. Thank you for giving me this book. This is incredible. That's what people of light are. And to you and I, that might not seem like a lot because, you know, we have Bibles everywhere. But in Iran, people die for having a Bible. You'll definitely die if you give someone else a Bible. And yet he walks up and, I mean, that is powerful to me. Amen. And you hear those testimonies in these nations where it's so suppressed and so dark. 
that God gets on the scene with angels and all kinds of things. If you read any kind of literature, even up-to-date literature, and this is up-to-date, this is what's happening. But God's answer was what? He was still a man of light. It was still salt and light that's resident in you and I. Why didn't the angel give him a Bible? Doesn't work that way, does it? It was him that had to give him the Bible. That's what we are. We're salt and light. Amen. We're salt and light that men will glorify God. Amen. Let's bow our heads this evening. So heads are bowed tonight. I tell you, God is so good. And the salvation that he has given us is a wonderful salvation. And tonight, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, tonight, if you don't have that salvation, God, in a moment of time, can take residence in your heart. If you'll repent, turn from your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight. You say, how do I do that? Well, you pray. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you're here this evening in the sound of my voice, you're not saved. You want to give your heart to Jesus Christ tonight. You want to pray, just lift a hand. Or possibly backslidden this evening. You've drifted, obviously drifted into sin and all the things that are involved in that, but you're drifted tonight. You're away from God. Listen, God's not mad. He loves you this evening. You're tonight in his presence. He's dealing with your heart because he does live, love you. If you just simply be honest and respond, God will touch you tonight. Unsaved, backslidden this evening, quickly with an uplifted hand. Pastor, here's my hand. Will you pray for me? Christian, tonight, we're looking at the sequel, if you will, to the Beatitudes, and it really is the work that God does in us is not just meant to be in us alone. It's meant to be shined and meant to be brought into society. Who you are, you're valuable. What God has done in your life is priceless. And you have something to give. You are the answer. You are God's answer to the decay and the darkness in life. It's not our politics. It's not you know, science and education, amen. It's you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are the reflection of Jesus himself, amen. And when you bring that to bear in everyday life, God gets the glory. When it says you are the light, it's written in such a way in Scripture that means you are the light alone. And what it's trying to emphasize is that wherever you are, wherever you find your place, it's, it's not somebody else, it's you. You are the light. Shine your light. It's not somebody else that shines your light. It's not all those other people. No, it's you. It's emphatic. That's what that means. It's emphasizing the fact that you, you alone, I'm talking to you, you are light and you are salt. And your life 
has such value in a world of darkness. The world needs you. The world needs you, amen. It needs the salt and the light. It's the only answer this world has. And so when God does this wonderful work of the Beatitudes in our lives, it's that we would be salt and light, that men would glorify God. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand this evening. These altars tonight are open. Let God minister to Sydney. Amen. You are salt and light. Amen. What, what song? Which one? You delivered me. You delivered me from darkness unto light. You've given my soul abundant life. Majestic is your name. My lips shall sing your praise and my heart shall cry aloud and say you're my righteousness you're my strength you're my redeemer and my lips shall sing your praise i lift my hands to you to bless your name I surrender, I make my life a sacrifice of praise. And you delivered me from darkness unto light. You've given my soul abundant life. Majestic is your name, my lips shall sing your praise, and my heart shall cry aloud, and say, you're my righteousness, you're my strength, you're my redeemer. And my lips shall sing your praise. I lift my hands to you to bless your name. And I surrender. 